Whether it's her first Mother's Day or her 40th, she deserves more. Shop tons of stunning on-trend jewelry for every budget at Diamonds Direct. Diamond fashion jewelry, beautiful birthstones, everyday pearls, starting at just $200. Commemorate the real loves of her life with a gorgeous pendant featuring the birthstone of the one who made her mom. This Mother's Day, Diamonds Direct has everything you need to say thank you. Diamonds Direct. Your love, our passion. Online at DiamondsDirect.com. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet. That's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. This is your moment, your time to shine, your comeback. You're ready for the next step in your career, and you want an education employer's respect. So you're not just going back to school. You're coming back with Purdue Global. Backed by Purdue University, one of the nation's most respected public universities, Purdue Global is built for people who bring their life experience into the online classroom. Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu.
Today is Monday, December 2nd, 2019. Coming up on Roland Martin Unfiltered. Remember Chicago Police Superintendent Eddie Johnson? Remember when he, when he uh, went off on District Smollett saying he lied? Well, he got fired today by the mayor of Chicago. She said he lied to her face. We'll tell you all of those details. Also, Gabrielle Union in a fight with NBC and America's Got Talent. She claims she was told numerous times to change her hair because it was too black. She also said that uh, there were issues on set when it came to a racially insensitive joke told by Jay Leno, as well as other problems on that show. Well, they booted her after one year. She says, time for us to have a conversation. We'll give you all the details of what's happening with Gabrielle Union. Also, tomorrow's National Day of Giving, and meet a young man in, who has made giving back to his community a way of life. And also, uh, the renowned uh, Chicago priest, uh, Father George Clements, has passed away. And his legacy is one church, one child that encourages black adoption. We will talk about that as well. And we also remember Irving Bergie, the man who wrote the classic Pat Belafonte song, Deo. He also passed away. And of course, another crazy-ass white person. Man, it's time to bring the funk. I'm Roland Martin Unfiltered. Let's go. He's got it. Whatever the miss, he's on it. Whatever it is, he's got the scoop, the fact, the fine. And when it breaks, he's right on time. And it's rolling. Best believe he's knowing. Putting it down from sports to news to politics. With entertainment just for kicks, he's rolling. That was the word today from Chicago Mayor Lori Lightfoot when it applies to Police Superintendent Eddie Johnson. He was supposed to retire at the end of the year. This whole thing was set up. She said, oh, hell no. She came out today hot in a news conference in the Windy City. Check this out. Good morning, everyone. Uh, today I'm announcing that I terminated Eddie Johnson's employment as superintendent of the Chicago Police Department for cause effective immediately. Upon reviewing the materials as to Eddie Johnson of the Inspector General's ongoing investigation regarding the events of October 16th and early morning hours of October 17th and thereafter, it has become clear that Mr. Johnson engaged in a series of actions that are intolerable for any leader in a position of trust, particularly the head of the Chicago Police Department. This is obviously not a decision that I entered into lightly. However, the circumstances demanded these actions. There are three reasons for this decision. First, the finding for the, of the Inspector General's report regarding Mr. Johnson, which I recently reviewed, makes clear that Eddie Johnson engaged in conduct that is not only unbecoming, but demonstrated a series of ethical lapses and flawed decision-making that is inconsistent with having the privilege of leading the Chicago Police Department. Second, Johnson intentionally misled the public in a press conference he called on October 17, 2019. He was not caught off guard and he had plenty of time to choose his words. And the choice he made was a communicated narrative replete with false statements, all seemingly intended to hide the true nature of his conduct from the evening before. Finally, just like with the public, Eddie Johnson intentionally lied to me several times. 
even when I challenged him about the narrative that he shared with me. He maintained that he was telling the truth. I now know definitively that he was not. Had I known these facts at the time, I would have relieved him of his duties as superintendent then and there. I certainly would not have participated in a celebratory press conference to announce his retirement. Mr. Johnson failed the hardworking members of the Chicago Police Department. He intentionally misled the people of Chicago, and he intentionally misled me. None of that is acceptable. This moment needs to be a turning point for the Chicago Police Department, the way things are done in this city. As for the department, <clears throat> yesterday, today, and tomorrow has to be about culture change. That must start at the top. That hard but important work is impossible without strong leadership focused on integrity, honesty, legitimacy, and accountability. Time and again, line police officers are held accountable for their actions, but their supervisors get a pass, even when the supervisors were aware of or directed the conduct at issue. Perhaps in years past, someone in Mr. Johnson's circumstances would have been allowed to simply retire. Doing so today, in these circumstances, would have been inconsistent with who I am and with the kind of principal leadership I want to bring to the city. None of us are perfect, and we all make mistakes. But in public life, we must be honest and accountable for our actions and must strive to do better every day. When there are ethical lapses, lapses in judgment, particularly in a position of trust like the superintendent of police, then it is incumbent upon me and all of us to ensure accountability. <clears throat> That's why I decided to take this clear and decisive action today. The old Chicago way must give way to the new reality. Ethical leadership, integrity, accountability, legitimacy, and yes, honesty must be the hallmarks of city government. There must be no mistake about the message I am sending today. The 13,400 sworn and the civilian members of the Chicago Police Department who work hard every day deserve a leader they can believe in. And to achieve the reform and accountability that in the department that we know is urgently needed, we require a leader whose actions reflect the virtues of integrity, honor, and legitimacy, the touchstones of what it takes to have the privilege of being a Chicago police officer. I am confident that the interim Superintendent Beck is such a leader and that both he and the eventual permanent superintendent will serve with honor. All right, folks, for more details, we're joined by Brandon Polt, reporter and anchor for WCIU-TV in Chicago. Brandon, glad to have you here. First of all, here's what's strange. So you have the Inspector General's report, but the mayor would not release the details what was in that report. She said she wanted to spare the superintendent's wife and children. That even raises additional questions. Uh, yeah, it definitely does roll in a lot of people's eyes and ears, uh, really perking up to that one. People wondering, what does the video that Lori Lightfoot saw actually have to say about this? We're actually, our, our organization, putting in a FOIA request uh, for that video because we do want to see uh, what did the mayor see. Apparently, it wasn't the story that uh, Superintendent Eddie Johnson told. He told the mayor that he uh, had his high blood pressure and he felt himself about to pass out. He had a few drinks before and there was some sort of reaction to that. And so we decided to take a nap, so to speak, right at the stop sign. Um, apparently, that is not the case at all. And of course, a lot of people had their doubts already about that, especially with no breathalyzer test taken 
at the scene. But now uh, we have more questions than answers right now. Um, and uh, we're looking forward to see what that IG report has to say and uh, also what the video actually shows. But um, it's going to be interesting. People are talking here in Chicago, a lot of speculation about uh, this being a, a, a situation that could damage Eddie Johnson's family. Who was he with? That's the question. Yeah, so um, again, this was the quote, while at some point the Inspector General's report may become public and those details may be revealed, I don't think it's appropriate or fair to Mr. Johnson's wife or children to do so at this time. I hope we can all take care to treat them with dignity and respect. Uh, as you said, he was found slumped behind his car, but he also has a driver, but he dismissed the driver to drive himself home. That I mean, that makes yeah. no sense because if you were if you were having an issue with your health or a reaction to medicine or things along those lines, you have a driver. Yeah. You know what also doesn't make sense, Roland? Um, this situation happened around uh, 1235 a.m. Eddie Johnson said he was very tired that night, said he had a dinner engagement he was at. Uh, what dinner engagement goes past midnight? Uh, that that's a question that that raises a lot of flags right there. So the whole situation as it lined up just didn't look right from the beginning. The mayor is saying that Eddie Johnson only lied to her, but also lied to the people of Chicago when he held a press conference trying to clear up details on this himself. Um, and so, uh, yeah, it's 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 murky territory. And it's, you mentioned Jesse Smollett earlier. It's interesting that CPD came so hard after Jesse Smollett talking about him lying to the people of Chicago. And now you have Chicago's own mayor saying that the superintendent of police of the city is now lying to the but, city but, but, of Chicago. But no, but see, this is not the Chicago police. This was Eddie Johnson. This was yeah. Johnson who went on Good Morning America, who held a news conference, who stood right next to Rahm Emanuel, who ripped Smollett for lying and, and, and calling him all sorts of names. And it was Johnson doing that. Here you have a pissed off mayor. I mean, Abby, mm. she was pissed. See, for her to come out there and say she could have easily chilled three weeks from now, five, because the deal is, what, I think he, was he fully vested like in April? Then they got moved up to the end of the year? And then she's like, nah, we ain't waiting three more weeks. His ass gone right now. Clearly, clearly, she's also pissed that she stood at a news conference celebrating him and then... When she finds out something else, she's like, no, 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 no. I got to tag his ass right now. Mm-hmm. You know, Lori Lightfoot, like anyone, does not like to get played. And honestly, I think anybody who has a work situation could relate to this. If you lie to your boss, especially in such a, something that deals with alcohol, they stand by you, they take your word for it, and then it comes around that that may not be the case at all then, yeah, you're not going to keep that job. That's just the way it goes. And so, um, you know, we still have not heard from Eddie Johnson, heard his side of the story. Uh, certainly, uh, he will say something at some point. He can't disappear in a city like Chicago. So uh, we're going to hear his side of things for sure. But, um, yeah, this this is it, – it's it's quite a turn of events going from what we saw with Jesse Smollett and him, like you said, on, on, on all these networks front and center – um, talking about lies being told about the city of Chicago and people, people lying to about the city of Chicago and lying to people in Chicago. And here we have the situation which, uh, you know, the mayor talked about integrity in the police department. She's trying to send a message here that nothing is going to fly. You mentioned his retirement benefits as well. Um, some sources saying that he may be able to keep 
his retirement benefits. Um, even though this did happen uh, just a few weeks before there was, the benefits would have kicked in, um, we're still waiting to see what happens with that. But um, just a wild turn of events, Roland. Uh, and again, folks, y'all might remember, um, again, uh, first of all, go to my iPad. This was, this was Eddie Johnson, okay, trash to Jesse Smollett. This announcement today recognizes that Empire actor Jesse Smollett took advantage of the pain and anger of racism to promote his career. I'm left hanging my head and asking why. Why would anyone, especially an African-American man, use the symbolism of a noose to make false accusations? How could someone look at the hatred and suffering associated with that symbol and see an opportunity to manipulate that symbol to further his own public profile? How can an individual who's been embraced by the city of Chicago turn around and slap everyone in this city in the face by making these false claims? Well, Brandon, that's essentially mm. what the mayor said he did. <laughs> yeah. Uh, when, when, you're, when you're playing that, I'm listening to him talk about how could someone make false claims. You know, you're right. It echoes almost eerily to the same situation Eddie Johnson's facing um, right now. And while the Jesse Smollett, Jesse Smollett situation is a different situation entirely, and, you know, um, that still is playing out uh, with, you know, uh, you know, whether Jesse was telling the truth or not. Uh, what Eddie Johnson did here, we're going we're gonna to see with this IG report and with this uh, video evidence. There's video um, from uh, dash cameras and things like that. Um, it's not going to be good news for him. So, so you say dash um, cam because... There were officers who arrived on the scene and woke him That's up. Right. So they have body yeah. camera footage, dash cam footage, mm -hmm. and then for her to say she asked him directly and he lied to her several times? Yeah. <laughs> exactly, man. It's, uh, it's bad. It's bad. I mean, come on. This, there's video. <laughs> well, and and, and the, the audacity of it, too, and the thing that really gets made people roll their eyes when they heard about this and why Lori Lightfoot taking this stance is actually probably good for her politically and fits in line with what she does. Um, when you hear he didn't get a breathalyzer test, you think, wow, same old CPD, protecting the people at the top of the chain, um, no accountability, and same old, same old. Uh, Mayor Lori Lightfoot here is saying, now the buck stops here. And, uh, you know, this is not something I'm going to tolerate at all. So it's a strong statement from the mayor um, and something uh, that is going to send a message for sure. She's not one to be toyed with. All right. Brandon Pope, I appreciate it, man. Thanks a lot. Hey, thank you. Joining me right now, Mustafa Santiago Ali, former senior advisor, environmental justice EPA. Also, Dr. Julian Malvo, economist, president, emerita Bennett College, Dr. Cleo Monago, political analyst and behavioral specialist as well. So, um... Cleo, uh, Why, that was a that was a pissed off mayor. Yeah, um, apparently something went down, and we don't know what it was. But they got videotape. But it's interesting. But but, I, but I'm what I'm looking at. Get that statement. You looking at what? The statement she made about the wife and the kids. Who made the statement about the wife and the no, kids? No, no, no. The mayor. Oh, that it might affect them. See, but I uh, I, I ain't saying what well, I think it is. But when, 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 when that, that kind of statement is made, 
That ain't alcohol. Go ahead. Yeah, well, I don't know what it is, but I think it's peculiar, though there's a central theme called lying that hasn't been associated with Jesse Smollett's incident. But it's, as he said, it's two different incidences. And uh, lying might be part of it's in the water or something, I guess. No, but, in but, Chicago. but, but, but Julian, the thing is here. Again, they, those are two separate situations. Yes. But the reality is this. This man found slumped over. Next day, has his big old news conference, lays out it was all it, health. Uh, I welcome an internal investigation. Then all of a sudden, he's gonna retire. He's fed it. Folks there. She's there. Now all of a sudden, she find out what the real deal was. She's like, Yeah, uh, uh-uh. uh, your ass got to go today. Brother man got. Well, remember how bad it was. Not just today. The former police chief of L.A., Beck, she said he on a plane right now. Damn. Yep. She said he on a plane right now, will be here later today. He's going to serve as the interim superintendent while they find a person. They ain't even wait. She Damn. put the... Yo, I need your ass to fly to Chicago right now. Bruh. <laughs> now. Cleo, she said he on a plane right now. Damn, she ain't playing. Well, no, she ain't playing. <laughs> and, and she, she um, when she campaigned, talked about new standards for the Chicago Police Department. So she's imposing those. This is a tragic, but the brother set himself up. I don't know what happened, but he set himself up. Um, yeah. Well, did he? Yeah, he did. I mean, did he get caught on purpose? Well, no, I'm sure he no. Didn't get caught on purpose. Don't nobody get caught on purpose. I'm sure he didn't get caught on purpose, but... You ain't found slumped behind no steering wheel. If your you car, a, after you dismiss your driver. If you have a driver. Near your crib. Use your driver. Yeah. If you if you have a or take a Uber. That's real Goodness. I mean, <laughs> no, don't take a Uber. No, you got a driver. I, I just but but again, <laughs> what I'm still stuck on, and I'm sorry. You sat there and you talked a whole bunch of ish, uh, Mustafa. I mean, he was going, he went on every network dog and Jesse. I bet Jesse right now is singing at home. <laughs> well, he's certainly cracking up. Mustafa. Do words matter. I used to write speeches for senior officials. I think we should pay attention to some of the other words that's inside of there. Because the mayor said a couple of times a series of events. And I don't know if people are paying attention right. to that. Right. Yeah, I heard her. So that means that there's more going on in this space mm-hmm. than probably we're aware of. And that may mean that, you know, some of those behaviors have been repeating themselves over and over again. So it'll be interesting, one, to see the tape that comes out, uh, and two, to see what the IG has said as well. well so you think he might have a man on the side? I don't know. Ooh. I don't know what he Leo. got. All I, I said that I... because I don't make heterosexual assumptions. All, all, who no, who all knows? All I know is... <laughs> all I know is this is what... This was her... This was the official statement she released. Y'all, upon a thorough review... Mm-hmm. Y'all got my iPad. Of the materials of the Inspector General's ongoing investigation, it has become clear that Mr. Johnson engaged in a series of ethical lapses that are intolerable. Mr. Johnson was intentionally dishonest with me and communicated a narrative replete with false statements regarding material aspects of the incident that happened in the early morning hours of October 17th. Had I known all the facts at the time, I would have relieved him of his duties of, as superintendent then and there. Sister is sister is totally. I told she pissed. She she, she, she definitely ticked off, um, and but she handled it very well. She, she handled, did. She she handled it she well. Did. And the the real the real issue is this guy has been in the public eye for any number of things. This is just 
Just, just really He's a superintendent of police. But we have not heard from Mr. Johnson yet, so... You know, well, maybe he'll you... shine some light on here. Maybe you oh, know, yeah, Cleo. two MAGA people with MAGA hats. You know. Let me stop. Mr. Johnson ain't saying nothing. And, and I, I we don't need think to hear he from him, though. No. I don't think yeah, he is going to say it. Mr. Johnson ain't going to be saying nothing. You don't think so? No. 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 I think it's his best bet is lay low. Just lay low. All yeah. right. We well, got three weeks, so. Hopefully we'll find out exactly what happens. All right, folks, got to go to break. We come back. We'll talk about another pissed-off black woman, Gabrielle Union. Lighten up America's Got Talent in NBC. I'll explain when we come back. Roller Martin Unfiltered. You want to check out Roller Martin Unfiltered? YouTube.com forward slash Roland S. Martin. Subscribe to our YouTube channel. There's only one daily digital show out here that keeps it black and keep it real. It's Roller Martin Unfiltered. See that name right there? Roller Martin Unfiltered. Like, share, and subscribe to our YouTube channel. That's YouTube.com forward slash Roland S. Martin. And don't forget to turn on your notifications so when we go live, you'll know it. All right, folks, as the marijuana momentum continues, our folks and friends at MarijuanaStop.org have already reached more than half of their funding goal for the hemp CBD investment. That's right. If you want to take advantage of this great opportunity, you need to do it now because it won't last much longer. If you don't know, I'm talking about the hemp plant, the good cousin to marijuana with a much higher concentration of CBD. That means hemp gives you all the medical benefits of marijuana without getting you high. Also, if you don't know, hemp farming is now legal in the United States, creating one of the largest commodities worldwide. It's an incredible investment opportunity, and that's where the folks at 420 Real Estate come in. Their business model is very simple. They buy land that supports hemp CBD grow operations and lease it to licensed high-paying tenants. That's right, they are hemp CBD landlords, and you can get in on the action. Now, as hemp continues to change the economic landscape, 420 Real Estate is allowing you to chase the American dream. The best part, is right now, you can invest in this crowdfunding campaign for as little as 200 bucks. That's right, 200 bucks up to $10,000. Do it now before the fund is closed. To invest, go to MarijuanaStock.org. That's MarijuanaStock.org to get in the game and get in the game now. All right, folks, November 22nd, Gabrielle Union uh, was announced that she was leaving as one of the judges on the hit NBC show, America's Got Talent. A few days later, the folks who produced the show, Fremantle, released a statement that's saying that they believe in diversity and inclusion, but also they always switch out judges to sort of refresh, if you will. Here's the problem. This show has been around like 15 years. Simon Cowell has never been switched out. Howie Mandel has been on the show a decade. The only people who keep getting switched out are the women. Now, they announced that Gabrielle Union and Juliana Hoff, they were actually going to be removed. Now, the show reportedly was paying Gabrielle Union 12 million bucks a year. She had a three-year contract, but it was a series of one-year contracts. And so, this all came about after she said, first of all, not in court, first of all, based upon sources, she is not publicly commented on the record, but sources say that she complained about getting excessive notes that her and Hoff excessive notes from execs about their appearances, about their hair, <clears throat> that her changing hairstyles were too black, if you will. Uh, also, uh, there was a particular black uh, act that was on the show that she felt was really uh, worthy of it, but then she was told by producers that, well, America would really get behind, get it behind another group a lot easier that they were white than this black act. 
And also, she complained about smoking by Simon Kyle. It's supposed to be illegal smoking buildings, but nobody wanted to tell Simon to stop smoking because it was his company. And she was like, damn, that smoke's coming down the hall. So these are all these allegations. She says also that Jay Leno told what she felt was a racially insensitive joke. They showed this picture of Simon and his four dogs, I think, and he said, wow, it looks like a photo outside of a Korean restaurant. She said that ticked off some of the staffers who are Asian uh, on the show, and she said folks should go to HR to complain. According to various sources who has talked to Variety, the Hollywood Reporter, but also Huffington Post, they said that she encouraged folks to go to HR, but that Kyle was upset with her saying, don't go to HR, come to me with your issues. Mm. Yeah, yeah. All this has been going on, uh, and what has happened is, is that uh, other people have come to her aid. So, for instance, first of all, Huff is like, yo, I'm good, nothing happened to me, because she also has a couple of other shows she's working on for NBC. She's also going to be returning for another season of America's Got Talent, The, the Champions, which is going to premiere in January. Uh, and so all of these things that have been going on, and again, lots and lots of drama here. Uh, and so the statements that were also released, I thought were, were, were quite interesting, because Fremantle released another statement. Now, Fremantle is a company that produces America's Got Talent. Now, y'all all, all remember this is the same show Nick Cannon left, because he said NBC didn't like, didn't like him telling a particular joke on his comedy special. So... Fremantle released a statement on yesterday, uh, uh, November 26th, saying they take diversity seriously and they were getting with Gabrielle and her reps to better understand the issues that she raised. So let's 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 let me let me let me deconstruct this, if you will. So you release a statement to say you were trying to get a better handle of what Gabrielle was stating. So that says to me two things. One, either she never said anything, or two, somebody lying. <laughs> because see, if she had taken these complaints to somebody on the show, or the NBC human, human uh, HR department, human resources, that should be documentation. There should be notes. There should be a meeting. There should be evidence of these complaints. And if there's evidence of the complaints, <coughs> then there has to be evidence that shows something was either done or would likely happen because it involves the show of a huge talent in Simon Cowell. Remember? American Idol. They didn't want to go down that path. I reached out to somebody at NBC today, and I was told that uh, they are hiring outside counsel. They're going to be meeting with Gabrielle and her lawyers to also better understand these issues. See, here's what I really think is going on here. I think what's really going on is that Gabrielle Union is not a compliant Negro. Let me say that again. She's not a compliant Negro. Hmm. Now, I don't use that phrase all the time, but I'm using it within the context of this because what happens a lot of times in these mainstream media, largely white environments, black people are expected to be quiet and just shut up and take whatever is given. See, the reason this is so significant is because she was a popular judge. 
We're living in a world where social media and your metrics are judged by that. First of all, Simon doesn't tweet or post. Howie barely does. Gabrielle's numbers, her, her social media numbers, more than all the other judges combined. Mm. Her social media metrics, crazy. Her husband, Dwayne Wade, said he believes that, first of all, he said she was fired. He says that her presence was a large reason why a whole new audience began to watch the show because of the flavor she brought to the show. So as you begin to unpack these things, when you hear this whole issue about hair, remember, this is the same state that passed a bill signed into law by the governor that forbids <laughs> hair discrimination, which would apply to this show and NBC and America's Got Talent. Why? Because the show was shot in Los Angeles. But the reason I say this is this whole notion of not being a compliant Negro is because Gabrielle was supposed to just shut up and shh, mm -hmm. move along. Just, just move along. Look, you got 12 million, just move along. She's like, oh, no, no, hell no. Because what's right is right and what's wrong is wrong. And what's fair is fair. And so by her making it clear what happened, it now is forcing a different conversation. Now, NBC has to get involved because it can't just be left in the hands of Fremantle, which produces America's Got Talent, because they're the network that airs it. They have rules and procedures. They have HR policies. And if she's a so-called whistleblower, what protections <laughs> does she have? Now, some of y'all also might say, but bro, why, why in the hell does this matter? This ain't affecting black people at large, but actually it is. Because see, what Gabrielle Union is dealing with is what black people are dealing with every single day in these companies. Whether they're engineering firms or law firms or other positions in corporate America, other media companies, they hear you are black inside of companies and you're having to be the compliant Negro, act a certain way, wear your hair a certain way because there's somebody white who's like, ah, we don't really like those cornrows. We don't really like, you know, the natural look. We really don't like that. No, 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 no. That's why this matters. But see, here's the other thing that we have to also understand. 12 million a year. In three years, that means she can make $36 million from this show. See, when we are limited economically, then we are also limited in being able to help our community economically. See, I remember when I, when I, when my term, my term was up at CNN and I was asked by Mark Lamont Hill on Huffington Post Live, he said, hey, why do you think you never got a show? I said, well, I really been thinking it's because you had white execs who really weren't comfortable with a black man giving his opinion on a news show. And I said then, we also want to make Wolf Blitzer and Anderson Cooper money. See, I know what it's like to be an opinionated person inside. And I had people who came to me, black people, who said, bro, you, re you really should, like, not breathe these things up. I, I, I think you're too militant. And this is what I said. I said, y'all, I could wait till I'm 75 or 80 and write a book and talk about what the experience was like 40, 50 years ago. I said, but somebody has to be willing to say it in the present 
and to change it in the present in order to impact the present and tomorrow. See, that's really, to me, what this is about. This is Gabrielle Union saying, I raised some fundamental issues on this show. Clearly, some people were not happy with me raising these issues, so they expected this little black girl from Omaha to just move along, take your one-year check, and go on with your other shows and your movies and just be happy. And she says, nah, hell no. So now they got to deal with her and her lawyers. And now SAG-AFTRA, Screen Actors Guild, are launching their own investigation because she's a SAG-AFTRA member. And so what now was an internal thing has now become an external thing. Now you got white women now, you know when white women start saying stuff, oh, Lord, people pay attention. Deborah Messing, Will and Grace Star, called out NBC saying, oh, y'all, this is the thing that were protecting Matt Lauer, but now y'all dissing Gabrielle, standing with you. Ellen Pompeo on Grey's Anatomy saying, I'm standing with you, Gabrielle. Ariana Grande. But also was that they didn't realize all the black folks who was standing for Gabrielle Union. So now NBC has a much greater issue on their hand. And so I'm thankful that Gabrielle, someone who I know very well, uh, who's a wonderful sister, not just a great actress, but just as a wonderful, kind-hearted sister who is taking a stand saying, no, this stuff has to be addressed. Because this, because very few of us are in position to use our voice and not be canceled and not be whiteballed and not be denied opportunities. See, that's the other piece. Gabrielle has the advantage of being a successful actress, having her own clothing line, being married to retired star Dwayne Wade, that she ain't sitting here going, oh Lord, where my next check coming from? That's why we gotta have more people who have courage. See, I told y'all, I, see, I can't stand parking lot militants. <laughs> I, I can't stand the people who went in the parking lot talking about what's going down and they ain't, and, and, and this wrong and this wrong and this wrong, yet when you go inside, they don't say nothing. You're the only person speaking up. You're the only person challenging people in the office. You're the only person questioning what's going on. That's why this matters. So absolutely, I stand with Gabrielle Union. I was texting her earlier, telling her, sister, we with you. Because what she is addressing is what black women are dealing with. Black women who are TV anchors, black women who are actresses, the crap that Viola Davis has had to deal with. All of these things, all of these things they're dealing with because now we are in a position where black folks have platforms where we have now more of us in these places who can now amplify these stories, more of us who can put this on front street and don't have to apologize. So when execs like at NBC start getting emails from folks like me, they realize, oh, oh, they paying attention. When black people on Twitter are talking about these things. See, this thing goes, and I'm trying to help y'all, goes way, way deeper than just what's happening with Gabrielle Union. We have the segment called Crazy Ass White People. 
And I, I had black people hit me up, man, why, why, why you call it that? Because it's some crazy-ass white people. <laughs> because there are white people in America right now who are stopping black folks from leaving the buildings where they live. Mm-hmm. We're going to show y'all a video later. Black man delivering packages for UPS and a white woman challenged whether or not he actually works at UPS. Black people are having to deal with stuff that other folk aren't having to deal with. And so don't just assume that this is just one of those stories you can ignore and it's really no big deal. No, it goes much deeper than that. And that's why it's important. And that's why we want to talk about it. And that's why I had this commentary this morning on the Tom Jordan Morning Show. And that's why we're discussing it now because it matters. And Julian, again, if we dismiss this as just an entertainment story, we lose sight that this is literally happening to black women and black men in companies all across America where they want, want us to just shut up, take it, and go home. Or lead a company and don't say nothing. And, uh, and conform. To conform. They're, they're, they have a, a look that they want. They have a, um, you know, d- just a metric. So they want us to conform. I really appreciate Gabrielle Union uh, because she's really raising a lot of issues in terms of the intersection between race and gender. I really appreciate the fact, how does someone tell you your hair is too black? What is too black? I mean, that, that's, that's an absurd statement. Uh, you're too black. Um, has anybody ever told somebody they were too white? No. So, you know, the too, the too black. You're right, Roland. This, this, this is economic discrimination. Sister was going to make uh, three times what she made <coughs> in the one year. Right. And, and she a three-year deal. That's $36 million. Had, she had a contract. But they let her go for some specious reasons, talking about, well, we mix it up all the time. No, you don't mix it up all the time. First of all, you don't switch them off the one year. Come on. And the Come other, on. And the other thing is a smoking issue. I mean, in California, you cannot smoke in a workplace. Yeah, yeah we in D.C. And hey, look, I'm allergic to smoke. I-, I worked at a radio station in Dallas, uh, longtime DJ, Cousin Lenny. Man, he smoked like a smokestack. Knocked me off the air for a whole week. I went to the general manager, like, say, player, either he gonna stop smoking or I ain't walking into that, that control room. That, it's a health issue. It, it, it absolutely but is. No, but, but according to sources... That Simon, can't nobody tell Simon what to do. He 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 all powerful, Simon Kyle. So just girl, be quiet. Just let him smoke. She has a mega lawsuit on her hands if she wants to do that. Because the the hair issue, the smoking issue, his behavior, the racist jokes. I mean, she has a lawsuit on her hands. I'm, I'm gonna play this video, Cleo, before I go to you. And um, so uh Viola Davis, they they had this discussion at the Paley Center. Uh, and they were they were talking about, and she's talking about you know, these, how many pilots she worked on and failed shows and, and how she wanted to play uh, this character on uh, uh, How to Get Away with Murder. Um, but it also is a peak, and she's talked about this before, in terms of what the reality is like for a black woman in Hollywood. I want y'all to listen to this. We're going to come back to Cleo uh, on this one here. I decided never to do... TV ever again after I did it. I've done nine failed TV pilots. Wow. Really? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> nine and the last one I did, I worked an average of 21 hour days. So I said, and I had to drive 53 miles one way to work. 
El Segundo Studio, so I was like, fuck no, I'm not doing that. <laughs> Then Chocolate called, and at first, you know, this number one call sheet, so. It was not written for an African-American, specifically. So I think they went out to Diane Lane, Jennifer Connelly, and they wanted to screen test me. Not us. Not you. Aww. Not you, not Pete, not this extraordinary man right here who I love more than anything on the earth. But um, they wanted to screen test, the network wanted to screen test me, but my manager resisted, and I was a little resistant because I said sexualized sociopathic. I mean, I'm used to wearing aprons <laughs> and holding babies. <laughs> But I remember I finally uh, signed on after I spoke to, I don't know if you were on the phone and Betsy Beers and Shonda Rhimes. Yeah, because I said, I want to be a real woman. If I could be a real woman, if I don't have to walk around in heels, because I know y'all talk about me walking in my heels. <laughs> and that's a little fucked up of y'all. But, but then and after that, it was, I said, Yes, and it, it totally changed my life. It you was also said one other thing. <coughs> oh, shit. <laughs> it was a very short call, which I love. It's like, oh, she's direct, she's efficient. Mm -hmm. um, you said you wanted to take off your wig. Yep, because I said, if I take off my wig, then you have to deal with that shit that you see underneath it. <laughs> <laughs> then you have to write that, not write the, you know, the tight ass and, you know, the sex scenes or whatever. You have to write a real woman. And Pete said, oh, yeah, we could do that. And so I had no idea what that would mean. <laughs> <laughs> This is the reality that black women got to deal with in Hollywood, but also beyond Hollywood. I'm still getting used to the linguistic richness of being unfiltered, Roland. Well, that's why the show called Unfiltered. Because <laughs> in the words of Tyler Perry, I own this shit. <laughs> Go ahead. Well, there's a few things I want to mention. I'll be short. One is that I hope that uh, Miss Union is inspiring other black people to come out of the white accommodationist closet and be black and real. Because not only does this hurt people's career, it hurt people psychologically. Even if they look successful to us, a lot of people on the, under, on, under their skin are hurting because they didn't get to be black and be who they fully are because they're trying to keep a, a big paycheck. So I hope that she um, is inspiring other people to come on out and be real and, 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 and use her as a role model. The other issue that I want to look at, though, is that a lot of people think that television is simply ran by ratings. And it's not always ran by ratings. This is, a, this is an example of that. She brought a flavor to the show, as you mentioned. She brought a, an expanded audience, which means expanded money, supposedly, and, and, okay. and expanded sponsors. But that she would not be a, an accommodator, they got rid of her anyway, which means, in theory, they're making a financial risk. But white power sometimes, out, or trumps, for lack of a better word, um, money. And some of us don't realize that. I think that's what happened with Arsenio, Arsenio Hall that he stepped up on his own and did what he wanted to do. And white folks said, no, we can't have this. We have to cut this right now so other black people won't step up and think they can do what they want to do. And yes, this is an issue that has affected women for years who could not have their own hair. I know several women who've, who've quit the business of being on camera because they got tired of the humiliation. So again, I hope that she is a role model for everybody else. The accommodationist part, Mustafa, is really important because 
the reality is this. White folks get to be white. Mm -hmm. They get to do white shit. (laughs) They get to say white shit. Now, I know somebody's saying, what is do white shit and say white shit? The reality is we have always had to temper. We've always had, okay, no, we've got to change our attire, Mm -hmm. change what we say, change how we say it, all those things because we have to make somebody else comfortable. Damn the fact that the audience sees it as one way. See, I've been there. See, all these black folks, see, I, I, I get a kick out of black folks today who turn on MSNBC and when they see Joanne Reed and they see uh, they turn over, they see uh, turn over CNN and see Angela Rye and see all these people. Mm-hmm. I remember when there were only two of us. Mm-hmm. And I remember the conversations when I got pulled aside. Uh, we, we need you to smile more because uh, you, you're coming across as too angry. I said, look, if I smile anymore, it's going to be a damn minstrel show. It was, I mean, that was a real conversation I had to have with somebody at CNN. Uh, when, when I was, I was literally, they almost chastised me for thinking while black. Mm. Because we were in a meeting, and what happens is, like, if we're sitting here talking about some ideas, a lot of times when I'm visualizing, I'll be sitting here, I might be looking off and have a look at my face, and they call me, uh, you, you, that was, like, that was really unsettling, because you, you know, you were angry. I was like, oh, hell no. I said, wait a minute, I was, I said, I was thinking while black. Mm-hmm. I said, no, nah, we ain't having this damn conversation. Mm-hmm. That's literally what I said. Mm-hmm. And so folk don't know what other folks went through to make it easier for the folk today mm-hmm. to do them. Exactly. And that's why this thing matters. Yeah, I mean, I mean, everybody's hit some of the major points. Here's the other part. As we talk about on this show all the time, you got to own your own stuff. So then you don't have to deal with some of this foolishness. But that's just one side of the coin. Let's flip the other side of the coin over and let's realize the power that we actually have. Uh, And it was mentioned earlier about the sponsors. So folks should be reaching out to the sponsors who help to support this show and let them know what their feelings are about this because that's where a lot of power is also. Yes, Simon Cowell has an incredible amount of power. Let's Let's not get it twisted. We've seen how that plays out in Hollywood in relationship to women. But you also have power. So if you let those sponsors know this is not something that you are comfortable with and you will no longer purchase their products, it'll change something. Well, and I think that, and obviously, first of all, that is a, that is a very, as, as a strategy mm-hmm. that's involved with that. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think what, what's going to happen is uh, we'll see these meetings take place. Mm-hmm. There will be stories discussing this, uh, what comes out of this. Uh, because it's now public, they're going to actually have to publicly make <coughs> statements about uh, what happened? How will things be fixed? Uh, but I just want people to understand that the reason we talk about a lot of these stories and bring attention to them, and even this is the case of an actress, folks have to understand that, and, and this is the, and, and, and people don't, if you've never been in a situation, you don't understand it. I mean, I remember there were times when other people who had lower profiles at CNN, couldn't say nothing. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But I could. And see, I could have easily been like some folk, like, that ain't my problem. But no, because see, there's responsibility that comes when you have power, when you have influence, when you have stature, uh, when you have, when you have, when you're able to bring that to the table. 
And that's why I think it is, it's wasted opportunity if you are African-American and you're working at an ESPN or Fox Sports or CBS or an ABC or an NBC or Fox or any of these media companies or if you're working at a law firm or you're working at a, a major corporation and you actually have the ability to shift a dialogue or move a conversation or call some folks out because you've amassed this level of credibility and power and you don't do a damn thing with it. That, to me, is what's also shameful because it's not just about you. It is about who's walking through that door next. But let me add this. Hold on, Mustafa. Then I'm going to come back to Cleo and Julian. So you did some incredible reporting and a story that you did with Byron Allen not too long ago. And all those dynamics, it's about power and, and how it plays out. So we're seeing this happen in a number of different situations. We're also spe- seeing people step up um, and, and live out their values. And, and that's what Gabrielle is doing. Cleo. I think it's important to reiterate that people are stepping up and, again, to affirm Gabrielle Union for what she's doing. But one thing I think is important to reiterate is that the, one of the things that gives white people the balls or the ovaries or whatever to tell black people that they're too black is accommodating black people. Mm-hmm. Yes. There, there, there's, a, there's a culture after so many centuries of normalized apologizing for being black in the presence of white people. Mm-hmm. I have been to so many meetings where the people who are the most crazy toward me and the most reactionary to me are black people who are looking around Bruh. waiting to take care and save white folks. Do you, do you understand why? That the- needs to be put up there as an issue that is primary for black people to unlearn and dismantle. One of the black folks came to me when I was at CNN. And one of the highest-ranking blacks when I was at CNN had a conversation with another black person and said that there are good blacks and bad blacks. Yep. And this, and this brother was black. And this brother told this person that Don Lemon was a good black. Mm-hmm. How he dressed and how he talked. He is. And then he said, Roland Martin's a bl- bl- bad black <laughs> because he's too loud and he's too, he's too aggressive and, and how he dresses. And this same individual. Yeah. And the whole time he was there, black, would never meet with me one-on-one. I could send an email to the worldwide CEO, Jim Walton. Jim Walton. Matter of fact, I ain't got to say a problem. Jim Walton. Jim Walton. I could send an email to him and say, Jim, I'm coming to Atlanta. Here we meet. Roland, hit my secretary. I could get a one-on-one meeting with the worldwide CEO, but the highest-ranking black man would not meet with me one-on-one. I would say, well, I'm coming to New York. His office was across the office from another EVP. I could meet with that EVP. He across the hall. I said, when you come to D.C., would never meet with me one-on-one. Well, see, the problem with this, Roland, is that many of these folks in these positions have leveraged their blackness to get these positions. The whole, you know, affirmative action, et cetera, et cetera. You know, companies are looking for diverse candidates. But these, many of these, everybody brown ain't down. So you, you look at these diverse candidates who say nothing. John Rogers, Aerial Capital Management, gave a speech in Chicago at Rainbow Push one time, and he's talked about black board of directors members. And he said, you, you know, you're not on the board to make money and to basically enrich It's all yourself. about you. You know, you're on the board to change policy. But many of folks get in there and they get real quiet 
They get, they just can't do it. And this is um, just internalizing racism. And these are powerful black people. They're making seven figures. They're, um, they have access to all kinds of things, and they just won't say anything. And we need to begin to call those people out and say, what's up? Because if we don't call them out, they will continue to pimp black people, to pimp black people with, for access, but not to give back to black people in terms of process. But we also need to look at our own behavioral and traumatizing treatment of people. I'm talking about black people now. Because sometimes when we get mad at somebody who's dealing with a white, internalized white supremacy relapse issue, we get mad at them and attack them and never look at the larger system that creates this kind of mentality. It's not natural to second-guess your worth and give somebody else privilege. That's a mental side effect of intergenerational oppression unresolved. And unfortunately, in so many cases, when we get mad at black people for acting like that, we jump on them and we, we, can, be, we can be very mean and we just re-traumatize them instead of looking at them from a perspective of cause and effect and deflecting that self-hate. I've seen it too much. Go ahead. We just need to utilize our power. We need to stop just allowing systems to be the systems that have always been the systems. And I actually believe we can make change happen. We saw it a little bit in Hollywood when, when folks began to speak out about, you know, the Academy Awards and some of the other things. And it was just a small step. A little bit. But people began to engage in that process. I think this is the exact same thing where we've got to make sure that we're hitting on all levels. You're going to get, you know, you got to hit on the legal aspect. You got to hold people accountable on the legal side. But we also got to utilize our dollars more effectively. Yep. You know, so we'll Roland, see what happens. Uh, we're going to stay on top of this. Uh, and then we'll give you more updates as they become available. But yeah, we stand with Gabrielle Union. All right, y'all. What? Cle Cle yeah, no, uh, most of the wide shot. Cleo, Cleo, yeah, Cleo, yeah. want to know y'all. Yeah, yeah. Right Cleo wants y'all. Gabrielle you know. Union. Yeah, yeah, I'm down with the sister. Why are you looking at me with that tone of voice? You done? Yeah, I'm done now. Okay, all right, you done. <laughs> all right, y'all, tomorrow's Giving Tuesday. It was an idea created uh, in 2012 as a day that encourages people uh, to do good over the past seven years. It has grown into a global movement that inspires hundreds of millions of people to give, collaborate, and celebrate generosity. Well, our next guest is no stranger to giving back to his community. He founded My Block, My Hood, My City, an organization that provides young people with new experiences by showing the possibilities that exist beyond their own communities. Joining me right now is Jamal Cole. Jamal, how you doing? I'm doing well. Thanks for asking. How you doing today, Roland? I'm doing great. So tell me what's happening, what's happening there uh, in uh, Chicago with give, uh, giving, uh, giving Tuesday. Yeah, well, a lot of kids in Chicago have still never been downtown. I mean, they've never been to the lake. Uh, they see Lake Michigan, they say, what ocean is that? Um, kids in North Lawndale, there's 15 currency exchanges in the neighborhoods and no banks. So they don't know what kind of jobs exist at a bank. So at My Block, My Hood, My City, what we do is we take teenagers from these divested communities and we um, take them on educational field trips where we expose them to different cultures, different professions, different cuisines. And we also have them give back by volunteering at block clubs. One of the things we're doing right now is hanging holiday lights down Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. Drive. Uh, and so we talk about that because I lived in Chicago six years and you're right. It's amazing the number of black kids they are literally fish out of water if they go come to downtown Chicago. Yeah, man, it's, it is. A, it's, it's a fish out of water experience. 
um, when you when you take them to a different community, they've never been on an elevator, they never wait for a taxi. Their whole worldview is shaped by the infrastructure of their neighborhood, and that can be tragic, man. Um, I started my program from volunteering at Cook County Jail in 2013, and nobody in the jail had ever been downtown. Although you could see the Sears Tower from the jail, nobody had been there, and so I knew immediately that was tragic. And I wanted to start a program where I expose kids to things outside of their block and neighborhood and get them to take ownership of the city. And so uh, what else? Uh, first of all, how can somebody else get involved uh, to assist you in what you're doing? If any businesses um, would like to host our students, that would be great. They can do that at formyblock.org. That's our website, formyblock.org. I feel like our students deserve to be exposed to more opportunities than just playing basketball and rapping because that's what everybody wants to do. And that's cool, but I want to expose them to... I heard the guy that cuts the field at uh, Soldier Field gets paid $300,000 a year. How do you get that job? You know, how do you get work for the marketing department of the Bulls? There's so many different jobs that I want to expose kids to. So if any business wants to host our students, they can do so by getting in contact with us at formyblock.org. All right, then. We surely appreciate it. Good luck with that. And thanks for joining Thank us. Thank you. Yep. All right, folks. Got to go to the break. We come back. Crazy-ass white people. <laughs> Next on Roller Martin Unfiltered. You want to check out Roland Martin Unfiltered? YouTube.com forward slash Roland S. Martin. Subscribe to our YouTube channel. There's only one daily digital show out here that keeps it black and keep it real. It's Roland Martin Unfiltered. See that name right there? Roland Martin Unfiltered. Like, share, and subscribe to our YouTube channel. That's YouTube.com forward slash Roland S. Martin. And don't forget to turn on your notifications so when we go live, you'll know it. Why? I got you, huh? All right, folks. Over the holiday season, Thanksgiving weekend, black man trying just to do his job delivering packages in Raleigh, North Carolina. And he had to roll up on a crazy-ass white woman. Are you guys movers? Don't worry about what we are. It doesn't. See, that's what I'm saying. Don't worry about that. You, you, just, you just came out your house, correct? Yes, because I heard a lot of noise. Okay, but listen, though. I was here twenty. I was here 10 minutes ago. If you if you would have came out 10 minutes ago, you would have seen us that's going out job. Here. I'll get my video, and I'll start videoing you as well. Oh, I'm about to go back to work. I'm just saying, you're, this is how this is how stuff brought, uh, things happen because in America asking, today because of, of people like you. No, I was asking for identification. Identify real now like, you're asking like, for identification. No, no, no. But no. who are you though? Are you the police? I'm not. So why why do I have I'm to asking, identify myself to you? Because you're in my neighborhood. So now this is okay. Okay. And so, I'm asking if do you, do you have So this is your block. Your this is says who you are. But this is your block. But the, the, does it say anything on your shirt or do you have anything that says what company you guys are from? Yes, I do. That's all I want to know. But why do I have to present that to you? That's my question. Because, I don't mind because, showing you, but why do I have to show it to put you? Put yourself boy? in my situation. Right? Uh, okay, my, you hear a loud truck and you're like, what is going on? A loud right? truck in your neighborhood. It Dude, could be a mover, it could be UPS, it could be, uh, right, I can right. be delivering right. appliances, yeah, yeah, but a mover, anything. A, a mover would have something on the side of the truck. No, not always. A UPS would have something on the side of the truck. <laughs> okay. Every time. Okay. So it's, so it's it's just, I'm a, you see a blank truck, you're going to stop everybody. So if I would have came down this neighborhood with a car, you would have stopped me too. Listen, listen, I'm from South Philly. Okay. Right? 
I've seen all kinds of crazy stuff. Okay, but this is how stuff, you know, get out of hand in, a, in America. Because the people I, like you, this is how, you're I, not being nasty, no, but nasty. you're right. But why do you stop me though? That's the whole because question. Because it's two black guys in your neighborhood, correct? No, is no, that the, you're the one who did that. No. You're the one who brought that up. If I was white, be honest, you wouldn't have stopped me. No, I wouldn't have We're not robbers. We're not none of that you're thinking. No, I was here no. doing the job. If you would have came out and got your mail we're 10 getting, minutes ago, move, you would have seen me doing my job. But there was no reason for you to stop me while I'm going about are my you, day. Are you recording me? There's no reason you for you to stop me. No, you want to call You want to call the police on me for no reason. I, now, you call the police on me, they're going to automatically believe what you say and go on your side. Your truck doesn't have anything on it. That's what does that matter? I'm out here. I'm doing a job. I've been driving this truck for 10 plus years. I'm doing a job, man. Okay. So that's no reason for you to stop me, dude. Why, why don't you have anything on your truck? Because I don't have to have anything on my truck. The, the job that I got doesn't require for me to have anything on my okay, truck. So it doesn't fine. matter. I'm doing a job, man. That's fine. Come on, dude. All right. First of all, y'all, we got so many crazy white people videos <laughs> that the white woman and the UPS driver, hell, that's another video. I'm going to have that one tomorrow. But <laughs> he, first of all, this, this is what I find to be interesting. Clear, I'm going to go to you first. If, when you go on, so when you see these videos on social media, um, all the comments, all the white folks are praising the black people for being respectable and not going off. Now, we got one where a sister went off. But she's like, I'm going to beat this woman's ass. She don't move. And I had no problem with her saying that. Because this is, so that, that's an issue right there, that we have to always be the ones mm -hmm. who are respectable and, you know, not really getting upset. But to me, that's a conversation that went two minutes and 55 seconds too long. Mm -hmm. Man, get your ass out the way. I got stuff to do. And if he stood, if he got hit in the head with the door, he got hit yes. in the head with the door. Well, I agree. But you also know that if he got hit in the head with the door, you're talking about the white dude, there would have been a problem because he's wrong. Because he's white. But so that's his also brother's why black and he's when white. When he was like, wrong. are y'all recording? Hell yeah, we recording. Mm -hmm. And I, I keep telling y'all, please, Nick. Please record this way. I keep telling y'all. Record <laughs> horizontal so that way it fills the whole screen versus, you know, vertical. You got the black bars on the side. Well, let me just It just this. makes it easier for us to see all of it if y'all please record that way. So if you get up against a crazy-ass white person, hold your phone like this. Okay, go ahead. I'm sorry. We should continue to <laughs> record white folks, take advantage of this technology they didn't, they didn't have when I was young um, that we have now. And I've been through those same scenarios very recently with white people questioning me. But I'm still going to say that at least once a month, you might have one of crazy-ass black people story. Hold up. I ain't say... That, that, <laughs> hold up. First of all... The internalized show, white supremacy. No, 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 no. Show, here's the deal. I don't see videos of black people, Julianne, just stopping white folks. Well, not that. No, and keeping no, them no. from doing their job. No, we, do what, we do the or same white, thing. Or, no, we I mean, do, the, we the, do the, what white people the, the, do. The white woman two weeks ago with a brother was throwing his own trash out. Yeah. And she's like... Show me where you live. But I don't recognize you. But let me be clear, Ro. I can be real clear so you can, so you can go back and go to her. I, I know that black people are accosted by white people. What I'm talking about is not that white people get treated like that. I'm talking about how we act like white people and do the same thing to black people. Well, I don't see them videos. Well, I'll, so okay, I'm, I'm why don't you share some links? I, I sure will. Julian, go ahead. I mean, the, the racism in our country is pernicious, and we just saw that. Brother Man did, as you said. He, he took that conversation way too long. He should have just stepped and walked away. But I'm glad he recorded it. He wanted footage. 
Yeah, I'm glad he recorded it because we basically we need these recordings for any number of reasons. First of all, to share with our young people. They need to see this stuff so that they understand, so that they're armored. They're, they're basically knowledgeable. Because, Roland, sometimes you see these comments on Twitter, wherever, and you get the white people who say, oh, they were so respectable, but you also get white people who give you alternate scenarios. Well, I would have done the same thing. Really? Um, and get your behind beat. Um, I, I, why, what's wrong with asking someone for ID? You're walking down the street. You have the same right to the street as anybody else. Right, right. Yeah. Like, you, you, white folks are not driving around delivering packages and with delivery truck, and folks are stopping left, right. Who are you? Where you from? Mm -hmm. um, what you, you doing here? Uh, why, why, why is there no uh, no sign on your on the side of your uh, 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 truck, Mustafa? First of all, here's I can tell you right in the television industry. Television local stations have had a gear stolen out of their trucks. It used to be when local TV stations would always brand their cars. Mm -hmm. They've had so much gear stolen, they now have unmarked vehicles because they got tired of having their cameras stolen. Hell, a lot of companies are doing that, Mustafa. Mm -hmm. Well, I mean, no one's going to carry freedom papers anymore. It's really right. that simple. <laughs> and that's that's really when you get to yeah. the core of what folks they, are saying is you have to prove to me sustained. that you're supposed to be in this space. Sustain. It is just right. not happening. And when you say that, look, the reason, the way the whole anti-apartheid move, not how it started, but the divestment, mm -hmm. the divestment, campaign against South Africa started when Ken Williams worked at Polaroid and walked into the Polaroid building mm -hmm. and he saw this thing called a passbook mm -hmm. and it hit him after he investigated that Polaroid was selling and making money off of those passbooks that were being sold in South Africa mm -hmm. and it was the books essentially that's like a, that was like a passport where black people had to, on demand, by somebody white, mm -hmm. show their papers. Mm -hmm. Anybody And essentially, mm -hmm. what we're seeing, y'all, we got videos for the rest of the week. <laughs> <laughs> well, I do. I got one for every day this week. In every single one of those videos, essentially, a black person is being asked to show their papers for delivering packages. One black woman is being stopped by a white woman from leaving a building she work at to show her papers, mm -hmm. and a black man with his two kids is being denied by a white woman in New York from visiting a friend in the apartment because she's like, I don't even know who you are. And that's exactly what's happening, yep. that black people are having to prove that we exist, and these white folks are like, well, what's wrong with you? You you, you should be willing to show it. Like, like the, the dude, I guess, I think it was in, in Pennsylvania, remember the black woman was at the pool? Oh, yeah. No, 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 where, where your key fob? Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah. Well, no, go ahead and put your key fob in. If it goes green, then I'm going to let you in. Person. He got fired. The black, the two black girls in Maryland, two black women in Maryland, who were going looking at a luxury apartment, and they said, y'all can go ahead and just, you know, enjoy the pool, lounge by the pool. Then a white man up, follow them half a mile down the street, and they were supposed to be looking at buying the apartment. It is, it is essentially, yeah, y'all got to prove you here. And that you deserve. That's the other thing, that you deserve to, not to prove you here, who you are, but that you deserve to be here. I have been to, recently, restaurants. I went to go buy a car and could afford everything in the room. And they, and new white folks walked in and they went to them and assumed I was just hanging out and loitering mm. when I went there to buy a car. But 
I'm saying this at the risk of getting on people's nerves. Everybody who was hovering around not getting to me were salespeople who were black and white. It's black people who internalize this, and I'm going to keep focus on that because right. Right. black people need to unlearn internalized white accommodationists, which results into anti-black behavior from the hands of black people. Because white people are redundantly white and racist and doing what they do. Of course, there's exceptions to it, but systemically, they relapse into white supremacy all the time, and I think they're going to continue to do that. I think one of the things that might slow it down a little bit is, is filming it like we're doing. Yep. But well, what we need to do as black people is unlearn the need for white gays to give us approval t to even uh, c care about each other. You mentioned the, this dude, the white, the brother at CNN who was right right across from you, who wouldn't speak to you because he was psychologically worried about white people might see me with him, white people might judge me, not, they might not like me no more, and they might take me off the off the off the token slave list and make me a normal black person. I can't be seen with him. The white boy, whatever his name was, who was the head of the whole thing, don't have got those concerns. Right. So he's not self-conscious like that. But a lot of black people, even online and all. But, 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 worried about white, but, but that white same black saying. person was in the room when when the, the same black person was in the room because one of my folks was in the room when he said, uh, we need to go house another Roland Martin. And somebody said, well, we already got Roland Martin. No, no, no. We need to go house another Roland Martin. Mm -hmm. So that same black person, mm -hmm. limited opportunities I got. Mm -hmm. And then in 2012, when uh, I got a call the night before uh, the Democratic National Convention, oh, we're not going to need you this week. I'm sorry, y'all flew me here. I'm staying in the hotel room y'all paying for, mm -hmm. and the convention ain't even started. And you were decided you're not gonna need me. And then it was like we're not gonna use you on debate nights or election nights. He made that call. Of course. So of course. that's and so that's why. So trust me, what I see is ass. <laughs> <laughs> Let's say this. Let's say this. I ain't said his name. <laughs> I'm telling y'all right now. What's his initials, bro? I'm telling you right now. <laughs> when I see his ass. Yeah, but well, furniture see, might be moving. Don't hurt him. Well, no, yeah, I, I ain't gonna, gonna hurt him, but he well, might get cussed out. I'll just leave it at this. While we unlearning some things, we also need to better understand the law. False imprisonment is not somebody just absolutely putting their hands That's on right. you, stopping you. So we need to start Absolutely. utilizing the law that exists to wait, hold these wait, people dog, accountable. Wait, I'm telling you, we got videos of these craziest white folks mm -hmm. literally blocking. We, the one we showed two weeks ago. Yep. This, this woman was blocking this man from driving his car to his house mm -hmm. and threatening to call the cops. No, I'm telling you right now, happened to me, I'm calling cops and I'm saying, arrest this fool for, yes, yep. for false imprisonment. Exactly. Uh, yes. Because, and that's what happened. And some of these, that video was an 11-minute video. Mm -hmm. And people need to understand, these are black people going, catching hell, getting our blood pressure up, all of a sudden, uh, all of that because some fool. And that's exactly what's happening. Mm -hmm. So, unfortunate. So, yeah, we got a few more this week. It's so many of them, y'all. It's a rec <laughs> it's a daily segment on Roland Martin Unfiltered. All right, y'all. Father George Clemens, a longtime civil rights advocate for Chicago's South Side, was also known as the first Catholic priest to adopt a child, died last week at a hospital in Northwest Indiana. He was 87 years old. In 1945, Clemens became the Archdiocese's first African-American graduate of Archbishop Quigley Preparatory Seminary. He was ordained as a priest in 1957 and went on to become the first black pastor at Holy Angels in 1969 in Chicago. He is most well known for launching the One Church, One Child program in 1980, which encouraged Catholic churches to find adoptive parents for orphan black children. He decided to practice what he preached by adopting four sons. 
While the Clemens legacy continues to live on through the movement he started, joining me right now is Ari Saylor, executive director of the Florida branch of One Church, One Child. Uh, Ari, how you doing? I'm fine. How are you, Roland? Doing great. This is, I mean, this is, first of all, the church, this thing went beyond Catholic churches uh, because I was a member of Friendship West Baptist Church in Dallas. Uh, Freddie Haynes' pastor where they had uh, one, one Church, One Child program. I mean, Father Clemens really raised uh, the profile of, of, of the number of black kids out here who were being ignored by adoption agencies uh, and I remember uh, it was uh, after the Million Man March, Minister Farrakhan uh, lauded the increase of black adoptions after this was highlighted then. Yes, absolutely, he did. And certainly, it's, although the program started with the Catholic Church, uh, Father also worked with all of the African-American churches. And and when we talk about, uh, again, is his impact, um, uh, what, what has this program meant to so many black children, but also black parents? Well, it meant an opportunity for children who were disproportionately and overrepresented, children who were African-American children who were languishing in foster care uh, because the Department of Children and Families there in Illinois was not having success in engaging the black community. Uh, by engaging father because he was a local uh, revolutionary um, and worker, leader, tremendous leader, um, Greg Kohler, who was the then secretary of the Department of Children and Families in Gordon Johnson, saw that it, the church is being the answer, so they approached Father because he was already a very, very activist in the community. And not only that, but he was working with the Baptist churches and other churches uh, in the community. So they saw that as in engaging him to get involved and take the lead uh, with engaging other churches. And so this is really how that started. Uh, Father Clements took on the, uh, decided to take on the task. Initially, he tells the story uh, that initially he was not going to do any of that because he thought the department was not serious in coming to the church. But he realized that the question came was, if you're not willing to help your children, then who will? Mm-hmm. And so Father realized they were very, they were serious about working with the church. And from there took on uh, the leadership role of working, starting with his own church, the angels there, talking to them about adopting. Uh, when they were not moving quickly enough, Father decided that, look, if you want to adopt, I will. And started that process of adopting with one child. And, and of course, as you indicated, he eventually adopted four boys. Uh, who are all adults today, uh, but he he worked very successfully in starting an alliance there. Uh, in Illinois, that was very successful because when you talk about 700 children, this was just in 1979 uh, when they had 700 children waiting. Uh, 70% of these children are African-American waiting to be adopted. Uh, when you have uh, the, the actual population, uh, Population being 26%, we have some serious overrepresentation. But in, with the churches coming to the forefront uh, and uh, getting involved, actively involved, and encouraging their congregations to get involved, and people began uh, to come to the forefront and adopt uh, children. And as a result, uh, Chicago had much success moving many of those children off the adoption roads and giving them permanent families and homes uh, and Father Clement actually coined the phrase one church, one child with the idea 
of finding at least one family in each church to adopt at least one child uh, and being able to really uh, resolve the issue. And not only that, but the churches uh, as a whole becoming a part of that adoption in that they would uh, put their arms around those families who were adopting and also lend support to them as well. All right, then. Well, we certainly appreciate you uh, sharing your thoughts and reflection on the death of uh, Father George Clemens. Thanks a lot. Thank you so much. All right, then, folks. We also remember Irving Berge. He was a singer and songwriter who wrote the lyrics for the classic Harry Belafonte song, Dale, the Banana Boat Song. He died uh, just a few days ago. He was 95 years old, born in Brooklyn, and served in an all-black U.S. Army battalion in World War II. He used the GI Bill to attend Juilliard School, where he majored in voice. Later, he took the stage name Lord Burgess and performed at venues like the famous Village Vanguard in Manhattan. He wrote about 35 songs for Belafonte, including eight of the 11 songs on Belafonte's 1956 album, Calypso, which was the first album in the United States to sell more than one million copies. Our thoughts and prayers certainly go to Irving Burgess' family and all of those who loved him. All right, folks, well, we certainly appreciate it. Thank you so very much. Uh, and uh, we've been on those videos, Cleo, um, so you can go ahead and... Uh, Not a problem. Yeah. <laughs> but I wouldn't want to call them crazy-ass black folks. That's, that's mean. I would call them black people struggling with white supremacy. No, that, that's too long. Okay, that, that's, no, that's no acronym. See? Oh, See I, I, crazy okay. black people is C-A-W-P. What, 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 what's yours again? Black people struggling, black people with, struggling with white supremacy. B-S... Black, black people, B-P-S-W... W.S. You're right. That is too long. That's too damn long, Cleo. Well, that's on the top of my head. I'm sure... Okay, well, damn it. You have work, to work surgery, on that then. Get work on that surgery, then. do crazy-ass Yeah, people. I need you to work on that then. <laughs> all right. Uh, all right, folks. Uh, please support Roland Martin Unfiltered by going to RolandMartinUnfiltered.com. Join our Breen Defunct fan club, where, of course, you can join uh, via PayPal Square or Cash App. We appreciate every single dollar. It goes to support this show, what we do, bringing you uh, stories of interest uh, that you're not going to see anywhere else. I can guarantee you those networks won't be talking about Gabrielle Union. Trust me. Because then if they do, they got to look in their own houses. I'm just saying. All right, y'all. Support us in what we do so we can make this thing happen. Also, shout out to my mama. Uh, she, of course, had her, uh, she had her 72nd birthday uh, on uh, Saturday, November 30th. We were all, of course, uh, in uh, Houston hanging out with her. All the family uh, were all together uh, having some fun there, and uh, it was great. Uh, of course, my dad is 72, turned 72 in April. They've been married 52 years, and so we certainly enjoyed it, and so we're going to close the show out. Uh, here's a photo of all of her chillings. Uh, and we're at my sister's house, and so uh, uh, shot that with a new drone, so I had to get a little aerial shot. That's how we do it. So we certainly appreciate that. And so shout out to my mama, uh, 72 years young. All right, folks, I got to go. I'll see you guys tomorrow right here at Roller Martin Unfiltered, where we keep it black, keep it real. And guess what? We don't take no stuff. Why? Because I own this. Damn, you slow as hell, Cleo. I got to go. Holla!
from BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast, is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. Are you still searching for your perfect place to call home? Well, now is the time to buy at Fisher Homes. If you're looking to move in before the end of 2024, May could be your last opportunity to start building your dream home and close before the year's end. If you're hoping to move in even sooner, Fisher Homes also has homes that are move-in ready and waiting for you, where you can start enjoying the benefits of homeownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with a new home advisor today at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home. You know that feeling when you walk into your home, take a deep breath, and feel new? Well, that's what it's like to use Clorox Sentiva. Because Clorox Sentiva smells like coconut, cleans like Clorox, and feels like energy. It'll elevate any cleaning routine to not just clean, but also make every room smell like a tropical coconut getaway. Discover how Clorox Sentiva's powerful clean and refreshing scents can transform your space. Get yours in coconut or other fabulous scents at a nearby retail store.